0: Once again, I'm so glad you are with us this morning. I want to welcome those that are with us for the first time. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, well, something exciting and traumatic happened uh, just over a week ago. Uh, you need a little backstory to understand what took place. You see, Amber and I have been married for over 14 years, and obviously we dated before that. And on our very first date... I said something to her. I said, listen, if, if having a dog is important to your future, then this really isn't going to work out because I never want to have a dog in my house. And, and things worked pretty well for the first few years of marriage. But then we had our first son, Levi, and Levi really wanted a dog, you know. But I, but I thought I could teach him, listen, man, When you got your own house, you can have a dog. That's totally fine. And then I had my son Asher, and Asher really wanted to have a dog, but now i got two boys. I'm like, I'm going to make them tough. No, boys, we're not getting a dog. Sorry, you're going to have to just tough it out. We're not having a dog. But then I had my little baby girl, Diella, who's six now, and she really wanted a dog, and, and she was working me, and I was staying pretty strong. Like, I was doing pretty good. And then one day, my wife changed teams. And instead of being on my team, she joined the children. And now it was four against one. And, I, and suddenly I realized that I had a choice. I could continue to do things my way and rob my family of the joy they desired, or I could surrender my desires and choose to selflessly love my family. So guess what? We got a dog. I'd <laughs> like to introduce you to Millie Linz. She is a two-pound Morky, she's light enough I could chuck her across the room. I'm not going to, don't worry. Uh, But she is our cute little dog here that we have, and it's a good thing that she's cute. Uh, But why am I telling you this story? Well, first reason is because I expect that this dog is going to give me lots of sermon illustrations in the coming years, so I thought it would be good for you to get to know her. But the second reason is that I think this dog represents a choice I had in my life. And I think it symbolizes a choice that every single one of us have in our lives on a regular basis. You see, Paul is gonna teach us in the passage we look at today, he's gonna teach us a kingdom principle. And I think it's also a a principle to kingdom relationships. And I think if we grab hold of the truth that he's gonna speak to us today, I think it has the potential to transform our lives, it transforms our families, it'll transform our church, and ultimately, it could transform the world. I'm gonna hand Millie back here. Awesome, she did well, didn't she? Well, if you've got your Bibles, uh, if you would turn with me to Philippians chapter two, beginning in verse number eight. Philippians two, beginning in verse number eight. As you're turning there, just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan. And so if you haven't been uh, following along or if you kind of got off a little bit, no worries, no stress, no pressure. Uh, Just jump back in right where we're at. We'll post that tomorrow uh, on our social media pages, but you can also join us on our YouVersion Bible app. We'd love for you to join in on that, okay? Uh, Well, let's read our primary passage today, Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Jesus, we thank you so much that your word is alive and it wants to to speak deep to us. And so God, I'm asking that the truth that we read today, the truth that we talk about today, Father, you would dig it deep into our hearts. Lord, I can't convince anyone of this message, Father. You need to, to grip us with this. We pray that in your name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, I want to get back to the context of this book. We've been studying through the book of Philippians, and hopefully it's been a a good message for you. But uh, I want to get back to this context. Remember, Paul is writing this letter. He's writing this while under house arrest in Rome, and he's writing to a group of believers that he loves deeply. He's got this close relationship with the church in Philippi, and he's encouraging them in their faith. And there's two words that come up over and over again. It's the words gospel and love gospel and love. First, he talks about their, their partnership in the gospel, that, that their partners, everything that they do, no matter what role they play, they have a part in the gospel. But he also talks about this gospel is what unifies us as a church. You know, it isn't what we like, what we don't like, any of those kind of things. No, it's the gospel that holds us together. But the other word is this love that, you know, at the beginning, he prays that we would grow in our love. And it's agape, this God-like kind of love, a self-giving type of love, a selfless kind of love. This is what he talks about. Then two weeks ago, we got to the beginning of chapter number two. And if you remember, uh, Paul is writing because he desires that they would be one, that there would be unity in the church. And and he's speaking to a local church and he says, this is so important that you guys are unified because too often we in the church, we just look like the world. We look like everybody else. We argue about the same things. Uh, We're fighting for our own rights. We're fighting for what we desire. And, And he's saying, listen, you can't live that way but it's more than just the church. Remember, he talked about this, and and I I said this two weeks ago, that if the gospel doesn't work in our homes, then why would it work in the world? If we're proclaiming the good news of Jesus, then it should look good in our own personal lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our homes, and I believe that this word that Paul has for us extends all the way to the home. Remember, he got really practical. In verse three and four of chapter two, he said this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Remember we said this? If you're gonna love, what you have to do is allow other people's concerns to outrank your concerns. That's what it looks like. Now, if you tried to do that over the last couple of weeks, you tried to live that way, uh, my guess is you, you figured something else. It's really hard. Like it's really, really hard to live that way. Why? Because we don't want to do that. We want to do things our way. We like it our way. And so Paul continues this challenge that he gives at the beginning of the chapter by painting a very vivid picture for us. And that's the passage that we got today. It starts in verse number five where he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Listen, when you relate to each other, Here's what you, all the all the relationships you know in the church in your in your homes even extending outside of there and all those relationships you got to have the same mindset the same attitude that Jesus had so he goes on and begins to describe this verse number six who being in very nature God. This is the starting point. He's gonna draw this really beautiful picture, but if you don't get these first few words, then you don't understand the gravity of what he's talking about. This few words talk about a simple truth that is so clear in scripture, and that is the deity of Jesus Christ. You know, so often when we think about Jesus and we praise Jesus, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about that 33 years here on earth, right? We're thinking about Jesus, you know, walking around, doing the teaching, right? And he's, he's talking to the kids, and he's so nice, right? And he's, he's you know, going out feeding 5,000 and ultimately giving his life on a cross. And, and this is the Jesus so often that we think about. And this is absolutely true. But that Jesus was an incarnation of the eternal Christ, Right? The scripture teaches that Jesus was the eternal son of God, the eternal Christ. You know, John chapter 1 talks about the word, the eternal Christ, this eternal son. The word became flesh. And I want to read a couple verses to you out of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is literally just a page or two past here. Colossians 1 verse 15 says this. The son, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Through Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. This is the truth that scripture teaches, that Jesus was divine, this eternal Christ that was there before the foundations of the world that is seated on the throne for all of eternity. This is who Jesus is, and that's why he says, who, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. The literal word right there is grasped. He didn't grasp onto things, and that word grasp had to do with power, like when you want to grab onto the power and the control and taking things for yourself. He didn't do those kind of things. And notice how that's in direct contrast to what it says in verse number three, when it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And this verse says, listen, he was God, right? But he didn't use it to his own advantage, It's just crazy to think of God that way. And then we go on in, in verse number seven. It says, rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. The literal word means he emptied himself. Now, now, this idea of emptying yourself, of laying yourself down, I think sometimes this gets made uh, to be too big of a thing. Like, if, if you're into theology, you maybe have heard this word kenosis, it's the, the self-emptying of Christ. And, and sometimes people will go as far as to say, well, Christ even emptied himself of his divinity. But you see, that's that's in contrast and in conflict with scripture that says, you know, he was the, the fullness of deity in bodily form. That's what it talks about, Christ. And so, so Christ didn't get rid of his divinity, but he absolutely laid down his rights. It connects to the previous part where he said he didn't use things for his own advantage. No, he laid down his rights. He laid down his privileges, and you see, that's what our God is like. He doesn't use his power to dominate. He uses his power for others. It's a beautiful picture we get, but we go on in, in verse, or yeah, in verse seven, he said, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. You see what, what happens there, how crazy that is? That Jesus went from the eternal son, the king, went from King to servant. See, Mark chapter 10 talks about this. Jesus said what? He, he, said, he said, I don't come to be served. I don't come to be served. I came to serve, to give my life. The, pain, the picture goes on, and, and he says, okay, well, how does he do this? He says, I take the very nature of a servant becoming made in human likeness. Being made in human, he became human. The eternal Christ became a baby. Now, I oftentimes think about this when I get to the Christmas season, but could you imagine how how ridiculous that sounds? That the eternal Christ, the one who was there from the beginning, would become a baby. Think about it. I've had three kids, and here's what I know about kids. They can't do anything, nothing. They can poop, and they can cry, and they can sleep. That's it. You have to do everything for a baby. And Jesus, the eternal Christ, the one who was there from the beginning and will be there eternally, he humbled himself to become a baby dependent on a mother for everything. How crazy, how unfathomable is that? It's beyond comprehension. But it goes further than that because we get to verse number eight. He says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. If it's not enough just to become a a person, a human, he actually humbled himself to the point of death. The creator of life took on death. How crazy is that? But he finishes off by saying, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, I've said this before, but but a Roman crucifixion was meant to degrade. That was the point of it, right? To create the longest, most embarrassing, demeaning, horrific, and painful death possible. And that's what Jesus took on for you and what he took on for me. This eternal son of God, the eternal Christ, willingly choosing the cross. Like That's, that's what the heart of the gospel is about. It's about a God who desperately loves you and cares for you. His love is so amazing that he doesn't demand and say, figure it out. He says, I will give. My heart is to give. That is what the gospel doesn't require us to just fix ourselves. It beckons us to himself. It says, listen, I will make a way for you because I love you. It draws our hearts, not just our behavior. Our behavior is because our hearts get transformed by the love of God. And if you've never experienced the love of God that way, you need to understand how much he cares for you, how beautiful the gospel is, how good it really is. That's what our God is like. So Paul paints this vivid picture. But remember how he started this. Paints this amazing picture of how far Christ has come, how far he humbled himself. But how did it start in verse number five? He says this. In your relationships with others, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your relationships, those relationships you have with one another, in your homes, in your families, in your marriages, in the church, in those relationships, you should do the same thing Jesus did. So I want to get to our big so what because. I always ask the question, so what's the point of this, Greg? There, there's a very clear point that I think Paul is giving us here, and it's this. Our big so what is this? Ponder the distance and follow his lead. Ponder the distance and follow his lead. Listen, when it comes to relationships, it is so stinking easy for us to tap out. You know what I mean by tapping out? You know, when you're, when you're wrestling, you got people wrestling, you know, and they get to a place where they just can't take anymore, they just, just tap out, tap out, I'm done. I'm out of this thing. I'm not giving anymore. I can't do it anymore, right? And we live in a world when it comes to relationships, that's the easy, the easy way out. Let's just get out of this thing. I'm done with this thing. I can't take anymore. I'm not, I'm not having my needs met, right? Uh, the, it's too hard. They've hurt me. You know, I've got, I've got these rights. I've got privileges. I deserve better than this, right? Or, or even worse than that, I've got this power. I've got this influence. And you know what? I'm going to use it for me. I don't really care about the other person. I care about me, Right? It happens in the church at times, right? Where where There's just anger fighting for our own needs and what we want. It happens online. I see people get offended all the time, right? You've probably experienced it yourself where you just get offended, right? It happens in our homes where we're fighting for our needs. What about me? Happens in our marriages. It's all about me. My needs are not being met. And it's really easy for me to point out all those problems, but here's the deal. I struggle with the exact same thing. I want my needs to be met. I want it to be about me. You probably have the same feeling. See, Paul says this. When it comes to those relationships, first, ponder the distance. Ponder the distance that Christ went to humble himself. Think about it. Think about it. This creator God, this eternal Christ, the eternal son of God hanging lifeless on a tree. Think about it. He did that for you. He did that for me. There's no amount of humbling that we could ever do that would even come close to what he has already done for us. Ponder that. Ponder the distance. Do you see that distance? Do you see how far he went for you? Ponder the distance. And then follow his lead. Do it. The thing that Jesus did, the mindset he had... Do that. In your relationships, do that. Choose to be like him. See, the next time you want to fight for your rights, don't. You might feel, yeah, but I deserve it. I'm I'm in the right place. I I deserve this. I'm right. Give it up. Because guess what? Jesus was always right. He didn't deserve it. He did not deserve the Christ, but he gave up, willingly gave up his rights for the sake of us. And he's calling us to follow his lead. The next time you feel offended, somebody offends you, maybe they, they, they accuse you of something or, or you feel like you deserve something, you don't deserve something, you've been offended by something, lay it down. You say, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I deserve better than this. They shouldn't have done that. I'm offended by how they treated me, how they spoke to me. Yeah, yeah. lay it down because guess what? Jesus had every right to be offended. They lied to his face. They accused him of things he did not do. And what did he do? Did he respond? No, no, no. He humbled himself. He laid himself down. That's what he did. Why? For you and for me. The next time you you want to use your power for you, you want to fight to get on top so you can dominate, so you can be in control, right? And we want to do that sometimes. That's the whole point of our country. Our country is all about how can I get into a position of dominance? Our political system is so often about that. I want to get in control so we can do things my way, right? That's what we want. But listen, the next time you are in that position, choose to use your power and influence for the other. See, that's what Jesus did. Being in the very nature of God. He was God himself. What does it say? He did not consider equality something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he laid himself down. This is what Christ did for us. See, the good news of the gospel is that we have a king, a king who laid himself down. But we, as followers of Christ, we're called to do the same thing, right? The gospel gospel begins in a position of receiving, right? Like we get something from from God, something we don't deserve, but it doesn't end there. It demands us to give something. It demands us to follow his lead, to have his mindset. And it's really easy for us to say, okay, yeah, I got to, Yeah, I want to be more like Jesus, but do we really want to be like Jesus? Because being like Jesus means you die. It means I die. It means that we humble ourselves. It means that we have the same attitude, the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who didn't use it for himself, but lays everything down for the sake of the other. That's what it means to be like Jesus. So Paul would say this in your relationships with others. When you want things your way, lay it down. When your needs aren't met, prioritize the other person's needs. When you have the power, leverage it for the other. That's what kingdom people do. And that's what kingdom relationships look like. I want you to imagine with me just for a moment. Imagine for me what would happen in your relationships if this truth would occur. I want to think about a marriage relationship. It's probably the easiest example of this. Imagine what a marriage would look like if you had two people fighting to serve one another, fighting to prioritize the other, not not toggling to get on top, toggling to say, how can I humble myself for the sake of the other? Could you imagine what a marriage would look like if that's how both parties acted? Can you imagine how beautiful that would be, How, how much you would want to be a part of a marriage like that? You see, when people talk about the kingdom of God and the principles of scripture, they think, oh, it's God taking the fun away. No, he's trying to bring us back to the way he designed it. That is the most beautiful relationship you could experience in life is selfless love toward one another. But imagine what it would look like in your homes. Imagine what it would look like in Zoe Church if every single one of us, rather than coming to the body saying, I need my needs to be met. I want my rights to be first and foremost. No, what if we all came and we said, hey, I want to lay myself down. How can I humble myself for the sake of another? How can I use my power, my influence, whatever I have for the sake of the other? What would our church look like? I guarantee you it would, it would help people understand why Jesus said, they'll know you by your love for one another because this world around us would be have their minds blown if they saw a church of diverse age, of diverse backgrounds, diverse socioeconomic standings, diverse race loving one another that way. You don't find that anywhere else. That's what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. In a moment, I'm going to give us a challenge. And I think it's a challenge every one of us should take hold of. It's maybe something you've never done before. And so I'm excited to give it to you. But before that, I want to give us an opportunity just to respond. Because it starts, all of this starts in a position of humility before God to say, God, I need to first and foremost receive your love, but then, God, I need to lay myself down for the sake of others. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that that we don't serve a God who stands far off and expects us to just figure it out. No, you are a God who said you loved so much that you gave. That is your character. You have a generous heart toward us. You give for us. You give to us. We're so grateful for that, God. God, we are just humbled of how far you came, the distance you traveled to meet us. And Father, we thank you for that, God. God, I pray the reality of that would just once again grow in our hearts, Lord, that we would expand our understanding of your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. And God, as we see that, it would transform our hearts. It would change us, God, that that we would respond out of our love for you, our love and affection for you, because God, we know sometimes the people that we're supposed to love and supposed to surrender to, they don't treat us well. We don't like the way they treat us, but God, we are not treating them, Father, based on how they've treated us. We are treating them based on how you have treated us, God. Help us to share your love. Help us to pour ourselves out for the sake of others, God. God, forgive us the times that we don't do that, the times that we still fight for ourselves. God, I pray that you would help us to look more and more like Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those who are watching right now who've maybe never responded to the good news of Jesus. They've never heard about a God that loved them that deeply. God, I pray that right now you would once again reveal your love to their heart, reveal your goodness to their hearts, Lord. I know you're calling some of them right now. And and if that's you right now, I would encourage you to pray along a prayer like this. God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you that you care for us. Thank you for sending your son for us. We admit that we are sinners. We admit that we need a savior. And we we surrender our lives to you and ask that you would forgive us of our sins. Help us to live for you, for your kingdom, for your glory. We give ourselves completely to you today. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. If you, if you made a decision, you want to pursue a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to do something for me. If you would just send me a message at faith at zchurch.org, faith at zchurch.org, I'd love to connect with you and help you on your journey of faith. But I want to leave a challenge for everyone, and I said this is something maybe you've never done before. Uh, there's probably verses that you've memorized before, John three sixteen. a lot of us know that verse, or maybe another verse. But I'm going to challenge us all to memorize a passage of scripture. We're going to memorize Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11 over the next several weeks. Uh, And here's what's going to happen. As you begin to memorize this scripture, it's going to go from just being something that's in your head to starting to get in your heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit, as we take time to memorize this, it has the opportunity to, to challenge us when those moments when we want to do things our own way, we're reminded, God, you didn't do things for your own advantage. You laid yourself down. Help me to live that way. I think the Holy Spirit, this is what I believe about scripture memorization, it's giving the Holy Spirit language to speak into your life on a regular basis. And so here's the challenge for this week. I'm going to challenge everyone to memorize two verses, Philippians 2, verses 5 and 6. 2, 5 and 6. We're going to memorize that this week, okay? So take the time every day, just peck away at it, and I believe in the coming weeks as we memorize this whole passage, God's going to do something in every single one of our hearts. We're so glad that you, you were able to be here. And I know the challenge this week is how do we live this way? How do we live it this way?